The new boss of Auckland Transport aims to get ferry, bus and train use in the super city back to pre-COVID levels in just eight months. Dean Kimpton hops on board as CEO at a time when more than a 1,000 bus trips a day have been cancelled or suspended, with some services so overcrowded they simply don't stop. It's mainly due to an acute driver shortage. It is the same story for Auckland's commuter ferries, with operator Fuller's 360 saying it's been cancelling up to 30% of weekly services, as there aren't enough skippers or crew hands. Joining us now is the new AT CEO, Dean Kimpton. Doesn't sound too flash. Dean, what's your assessment of the state of public transport in Auckland right now? Uh, without a question, Lisa, and first of all, thank you very much for having me, but without a question, the, the services um, have been deeply challenged by uh, COVID conditions and by driver shortage. Uh, the good news is that we're really clear on what we need to do to address that gap. And I'm grateful to both Auckland Council but the government for addressing immigration constraints. Uh, we can now bring the drivers and their families in. And recently you'll recall the same message around ferries. So between that, the training of them and the funding which we're finalising, I'd expect that uh, we'll, we'll achieve our target of 20 to 25% increase by the end of this year, early next year. Right, because that's a significant number of trips, right? It's like 80 million trips getting up to 100 million. Correct. And you actually think it's achievable by the end of this year? I'm backing us, along with each of the bus companies and the ferry companies, to get to that by the end of this year. Remember, this week, well, you won't know, but this week we delivered 80% of that, 86% of that target. So you've got the confidence. What confidence do you think commuters have in Auckland Public Transport? Oh, we've really struggled with that, and I, I get it, because when you've got over a 1,000 trips a week cancelled uh, and you're, um, you're, you could have buses turning up, not turning up, uh, maybe they're late, maybe they're full, whatever it is, you lose confidence. So we know that we have an issue there, which is why we're so invested in returning that service back to where it was. What we do find, though, is we're getting 92% satisfaction of people when they're in the journey and their experience on the bus or the train or the ferry is very high. But getting them there, that's where we've got a deep problem. That's why we're investing the way that we are. Yeah, getting them there is the problem. I mean, how many complaints are you getting at the moment? Look, I couldn't tell you what the number of complaints is, but I know there's a significant number. And uh, we're, we're listening to those, and that's why we're addressing it the way we are. So when you talk about getting trips back to pre-COVID levels, Mm -hmm. are you talking about getting more people on the services you currently operate or are you going to bring back some of the services, bus trips, that you have canned because you don't have enough drivers? It'll be both and. So, look, our objective is to increase the number of people using our public transport services. That's the first objective. That'll mean that we bring back some of the scheduled services or increase the frequency on existing services, but it might mean that we also bring new services on board as well where the demand sits. So we're looking at all of those because our objective is to grow the number of people using public transport as their choice of preference. I want to give you an example. We talked to a Mm. mother on this program. She's mother of an autistic schoolgirl. She's about Mm. 14 years old, this girl. She routinely waits for her bus home from school. And she says that she sees it coming on the app. She sees it's a couple of minutes away. It's still coming. It's still coming. And then all of a sudden, it disappears from the app. It's a ghost bus. She waits for the next 
um, bus and sometimes the same thing happens and then the parents have to pick her up because it's causing her anxiety and they don't know when the next bus is along. I mean, what are you going to do about that? These last yeah. minute cancellations, not buses that have been taken off the schedule, but ones that just disappear out of the blue. Oh, look, that, that is very challenging. And to be fair, my own son has been called by the same trying to get to school. So I understand the problem from a, a parent perspective, let alone from a chief executive perspective. So this is why we're so focused. And I want to reassure the people of Auckland, we're so focused on bringing back the capacity so that when we have a scheduled bus, it turns up as planned so people can rely on it. And that, that's, that's absolutely critical for us. So, so I have you- a lot of sympathy. So, Dean, what are your weekly targets? If you're going to take until the end of the year to get back to those levels that you want, tell mm-hmm. me about how you're going to achieve it month by month in practical terms. What are your goals for bringing more services back, your goals for getting more drivers, more ferry operators? Mm-hmm. How are you actually going to do it? So, for the next three months, our target is to bring back on board 360, approximately 360 uh, bus drivers. I'll talk about very shortly. Within the following three months, we expect them to have all been trained. And within the the next three months, which is around about the end of this year, so that's the eight or nine months that we talked about before, that that gives us the time to ramp up that that, that level of service and the frequency and the patronage back to the 100 million. But it won't happen overnight. I think we've all been very clear on that, but that's the runway. That's the pathway. Ferry drivers will take a bit longer, Lisa, um, because some of those changes are more problematic, and they've only just recently changed the the, uh, the settings for ferry drivers and deckhands, and the training is uh, is is also greater. So we just need a bit more time on them. That'll take at least twelve to eighteen months. So you won't see much change there until the middle of next year. You've publicly said that you see eighty percent of your bus drivers coming from overseas. Why is that? We just don't have the people in New Zealand that want to be bus drivers. Is that because you're not paying enough and the conditions aren't good enough? Yeah, so look, we're having a good close look at the conditions and you're right. There's conditions that we need to consider and part of that is pay. Uh, We're in discussions with Auckland Council and Government uh, to lift the pay rate. Uh, To do that, though, we need additional funding to allow that, both the pay rate and to fund the additional drivers that we need overall. So additional in addition to the additional money that um, the Minister is already giving you, or the 60-odd the million that was dedicated to um, better, better pay packets for bus drivers? Yes, we need... A, uh, well, I'm not sure where we're at with respect to the 60 million, but I do know that we need additional funding if we're going to have additional level of service. Uh, for increased pay rates and the increased drivers, it's in the order of $25 million. And uh, what's been the response to that figure? Are you going to get uh, it? That request is in, but I've had good engagement around it. It's, With who? With Auckland Council and the Minister. Okay. We're and currently funded to deliver 80% of pre-COVID services. So everything we're looking to do is to lift from that. Okay, And that's the open conversation. We know this is a critical issue for Aucklanders. That's the discussion we're having. It's about drivers, it's about training them, and it's about giving the funding for them. So do you need that additional $25 million in order to meet your targets? Can you, yes, okay. So you cannot achieve your targets without that extra $25 million. We are resolving. Uh, look, th- there's a number of ways to get to that. Uh, part of it is for us to look at our own operational efficiencies, and the other one is for us to get the additional funding. So it's both and. 
Okay. Fairies, you mentioned that that's going to take you a little bit longer. Fairies are cancelled on a regular basis. Yes. Um, I'm wondering how much AT is spending on Ubers and taxis and replacement transport when ferries are cancelled and people have to get home another way, sponsored by you, in essence. Look, the general rule of thumb is that when a ferry provider cancels a service, the cost of that alternative transport sits with them. That's not what they've told us. Well, it's paid through. The equivalent services. They say you pick up the tab. So everybody's dodging this one. And so it'd be great to get a straight answer, Dean. Is Auckland Transport picking up any of the tab for Ubers, taxis, and replacement transport when ferries are cancelled? It might be in some instances we do, but the general rule of thumb is we pay them for the provision of the service. Where they cancel the service, we'll be paying them for the patronage that would normally apply if they were providing the ferry service. If they cancel it and a customer needs to catch an Uber or a taxi to where they're going to, that fits within the contractual agreement that, that the, the provider has, and we pay them as if they were catching the ferry. Do you know how much you're paying in those top-ups? No, I don't. Okay. Since Auckland Transport took back control of those inner harbour services with the ferry, some people would argue that the service hasn't got better. In fact, it's got worse. How are you going to get fullers in line? Well, Fuller's a really important partner. I don't think they're the only part of this equation. But um, having said that, we've got open discussion with them. They are the ones confronted with bringing on some 35 skippers and deckhands they are the ones where, like many of the bus drive, uh, bus companies, saw an exodus of uh, drivers and skippers overseas straight after our um, our borders were opened up. So we're working really constructively with them. They're an important part of the solution. Uh, and we've got a contract that openly holds them accountable for delivery of service, and we measure against that. So do they get penalty fees when they don't deliver? There is a penalty arrangement when they don't deliver. Have they been charged any penalty fees? Yes, they are. How much? Oh, I'm not going to tell you on this. That's um, that's a commercial arrangement between... Well, it's, it's ratepayers' money, right? And it's taxpayers' yeah. money. And, and if the perception is, and the reality is that Fuller's is not delivering, don't the people of Auckland have a right to know what you're doing about it? And that is how much are you charging them in penalty fees? No, no, that doesn't. That, that logic doesn't follow. I'm entirely satisfied that we are being appropriate under the contract. What that contract is is a commercial arrangement between ourselves and Fuller's, and uh, I'm satisfied that uh, both ourselves and Fuller's understand that. So the people of Auckland are assured that where that's required, that is that's what's happening. But I'm not going to discuss it on a radio show. Okay, more bike lines. Are you going to build some more? Yes. Um, how many, and are you un- under instruction to do that? I'm not under instruction to build more cycleways. We're committed to building cycleways as part of our overall network. Uh, that sits alongside walking, cycling, um, busways, etc. So, yep, cycleways are there. Dean, do you reckon you're bold enough to get that done? Because cycle lanes have been a contentious issue, right? And there's mm. been delays installed projects along the way. As a result of, some would argue, very vocal minorities. So are you bold enough to push through the cycleways? Well, we've committed publicly to the um, Point Chevalier uh, cycleway. We've committed publicly to uh, Glenis to Tamaki, and we're reviewing Great North Road. That's going to our board in May, um, and I know there's been a bit of a delay on that. And in the next financial year, we're already planning 
what Future Cycleway provision will look like across Auckland. But what we are stepping back from, and it's worth being clear on this, is we're going to take a simplified approach. There's been significant investment being very complex through some of these town centres. And we've agreed that um, given the capital budget constraints, we will simplify cycle provision across Auckland. So by simplify, you mean a cheaper version of the cycleways? Yeah, yeah, that's right, yes. And and not everything has to go through a town centre. So we'll be looking at alternatives and making sure that we've got a cost-effective solution for cycleway provision across Auckland. We're almost out of time, but Wayne Brown wrote to AT and said he wanted a complete change of approach and he wanted Auckland Transport to consider um, how Aucklanders actually live and support those aspirations. Do you understand, do you have a clear idea of the aspirations of Aucklanders in respect of public transport? At a personal level, I believe that I do. Um, As an organisation, we need to spend more time getting that right. And that's been something that I think uh, people generally understand we haven't listened to Auckland as well as what we should have and we're absolutely committed to getting that more right. Appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us. That is Auckland Transport CEO Dean Kimpton, relatively new to the job there. Interested in your thoughts on that? 20 past six. You're with Checkpoints on RNZ National.